0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today I'm going to be talking about episode 409 of Vincent Star titled Possession. I think overall this was a meh episode punctuated by some good moments. <laughs> so let's just jump into it. Starting with the A plot. So Tommy's back and that's exciting. He shows up in like the cold open of the episode and he's slow-mo walking through G major. Jude sees him out of the corner of her eye and cannot stop staring at him. Embarrassingly, she has like a box of her CDs which are labeled Return, <laughs> carrying on the the thread that her album sucked and didn't sell well. So she like drops all of these CDs in front of Tommy and he just like looks up at her like, am I? <laughs> so Tommy's back. He's scruffy. I think it's supposed to imply that he's like not in a good place because he's never been scruffy in the entire series and he looks good. It, <laughs> it looks great on him. Oh, so moving on past the intro, Jude has been I don't remember when they said this, but she's basically like banned from G Major. (laughs) Darius at one point says that he had to cut Jude loose. Um, if you'll remember Jude's deal with G Major when she won Instant Star was for three albums. Her third album just came out and it sucks. Um, so she's done. And like, If Darius wanted to, we could have extended her deal or written a new one, etc. But he says during this episode, like, I cut her loose. And so Jude doesn't, like, go into G Major at all. And so she gets information from Sadie about why Tommy's back and what happened. And apparently his mom was cooking and forgot or something. And she set half the house on fire. So he had to put her into a home, which obviously allowed him to come back to Toronto. Uh, So we get another scene with Jude and Megan in Jude's house. And they're like super good friends now, I guess. But I had this thought as Megan was talking, um, because she seems to be similar to me, an (laughs) anti-Tommy. Part of the anti-Tommy side, if you will. And listening to Megan talk about him... I was like, geez, do I sound like this much of a hater about him? (laughs) Because we shared very similar points of like, oh, here Jude goes back into Tommy's, you know, I think she calls it the Tommy Vortex or something like that. So there's another side story, which isn't really like a C plot, but it's kind of tied to the A plot. So Tommy's back, like I said. There's a scene where he's talking to Darius and is upset that he allowed Jude's album to go out in the overproduced, messy state that it was in because his name was on it as a co-producer. And now his credibility is shot and Darius tells him, hey, instead of like doing real music, why don't you produce Speed and Karma's TV show theme song? And he's obviously not happy about this, thinks it's below him. And so there are a few scenes of them in the studio. Them being Speed and Karma and then Tommy producing. So the first time around, as Speed and Karma are singing the song, which is kind of cute. It's <laughs> it's actually fairly catchy. Um, when they're singing the song, Tommy is at the board and his head's down, he has his hood up, he is so disinterested and is not afraid to show it. Um, So that's one, that's another piece of the A-plot, I guess. But getting back around to Jude's perspective. So in this scene with Megan at the beginning of the episode, uh, Megan's suggesting, you know, we need to get over him. And Jude mentions, well, I can't without closure, And closure means getting an apology and it's like, oh God, (laughs) here we go. There was some other thing about closure. I forgot what it was in the series. Oh, it was with Sadie and Tommy and she's like, I need closure. Or maybe it was June Tommy the first time? I forget. But they've had a similar conversation about, I need closure. I need this person to say XYZ to me for me to be okay about the breakup. And I just, uh, I've never related to that sentiment. It's, and I think I probably said this the last time, is that one enclosure is just wanting an explanation for something that the person you're talking about, that their actions have already shown you. <laughs> you know why you broke up. It's not a surprise. You want them to express s- something about the breakup, but what good does that do? Anyway, uh, so Megan's like, write down everything you think you want to say to him. And Jude's like, no, he just needs to apologize to me. And so that's Jude's aim during the episode is that she is going to make Tommy apologize. And in my view, they both have negatives that they've done to one another I do, I don't know if it's something she needs to apologize for per se, but showing up unannounced and I don't want to use meddling, I don't like that word, but she did try to like take action with Tommy's mom that maybe wasn't really her place to do and her heart was in the right place, which is why I don't want to use the word meddling like she meddled in Tommy's life, but she didn't need to make decisions for him um i do but also almost forgot her completely changing up the album while still attaching tommy's name to it wasn't really great either and that's maybe more of like a superficial thing that she could apologize for but i mean she did do something that he had no control over and now that's part of his career that's part of his like outlook to the world. Um, with producers, it's not as, what's the word? It's not as damaging because they're not as public, producers are, compared to an artist who makes a bad album. But still, I mean, it's part of his career that she interfered with, which she could apologize for that. But obviously he wants, or Jude wants Tommy to apologize for yelling at her for trying to help his mother. And so they'd probably be fine if they just didn't apologize because, again, closure is a silly concept anyway. But we fast forward a bit in the episode and Megan and Jude are at a bar. They're at a bar, but they're both drinking Pellegrino. (laughs) And so they seem to be having a good time for a little bit until Tommy walks in and Megan says, oh, look who it is. It's time to leave. And Jude's like, no, this is a perfect time for him to apologize. And Megan realizes, oh, you chose this place because you know that he goes here. And so Jude takes it upon herself to approach Tommy when he's at the bar and just straight up says like, okay, you can apologize now. (laughs) She doesn't say those words exactly, but she's basically that direct of like, um, don't you have something to say to me? It ends with sorry, starts with I'm, like, (laughs) how would you think this was gonna go? So Tommy retorts with, why would I apologize to you? You should be apologizing to me. And then he mentions the point about the album and the producing that I just mentioned. And he ends with, you're poison, stay as far away from me as possible. And that, just totally ruins jude's day the next scene is megan and jude and they're outside jude's house she has a box full of like tommy's things and things that remind her of tommy she pours gasoline on it and sets it on fire and it's so dramatic and now she doesn't want an apology she just wants revenge (laughs) it's worth noting that in this box among the things she's burning uh One of them is the sex list, <laughs> the list of all the women that Tommy had sex with, that Jude, after she had sex with Tommy, wrote her name in the list with Sharpie. She burned that. She's also burning a headshot, <laughs> a signed headshot of his. Why do you have this? Are you a fan? <laughs> that made me laugh. And then there's like a, a Thailand brochure and some other things that I couldn't really see. So now Jude's on the revenge path. And her next step is that she's going to her blog, which is called Jude Jaws. <laughs> we saw or we've seen like her website in the past, which is like a, a fan website, fairly basic. But she has a blog now, I guess. And so on this blog, she posts, Tommy has 1,500 bottles of this specific type of hair gel, and that's whatever, that's like a childish jab. But then she says, (laughs) Tommy thinks, or Tommy's really just an insecure little boy who thinks he's a fraud. (laughs) I was like, damn. (laughs) Not that it's not true, because we've really seen that it is he thinks a troubling amount of himself aka amount that is not much he's very insecure and it's really sad and i almost wish i almost wish we would like talk about his insecurity that he so clearly feels but is masked under like aloofness and distance um So she writes this blog post and posts it. And then the next day. (laughs) So we have the second take of the Speed and Karma uh, theme song. So we have the second iteration of Speed and Karma singing their TV show theme song. And this is after the the blog has been posted. So Tommy, again, is sitting at the board, head down, hood up. This time, he's wearing sunglasses, though. <laughs> and so Speed and Karma sing the song as usual. Tommy, and the first time, he was opening, openly discouraging Speed and Karma, saying that this cho- the song is shallow. He doesn't want to be there, basically. But this time, he just straight up doesn't respond <laughs> when Speed's playing. And so Speed starts antagonizing him and Tommy's like, I can hear you actually a little too loud. Why don't you keep it down? And then Speed starts going off a little bit at this point and it's like, hey, can you pay attention to us or do you want this album to be as bad as Jude's album? And Speed keeps going off. He picks up an electric guitar and starts (laughs) riffing with that. Karma in her rare role as like the reasonable one is like, let me just sing the song again so he can calm down. <laughs> and Speed's like, no, no, no. Um, so he keeps riffing on the guitar. At one point, um, Speed and Tommy are going back and forth and, um, Speed straight up calls him an insecure little boy <laughs> like Jude did in her blog. And this sets him off. So he Goes into the booth, takes Speed's guitar, and throws it into the glass wall. And it shatters. Oh, the camera crew for Speed and Commerce show has been capturing all of this. And so Tommy speeds off in a huff. And he's just so mad. Oh, he's so mad. But anyway, this for some reason leads to Speed going to the rehearsal space and talking Jude. And Speed says, Uh... Quincy's gone crazy and this compels her to go talk to him (laughs) like why would you be the one that he wants to hear from when you less than a day ago called him an insecure little boy and made intentionally hurtful comments about him and hair products but whatever putting that aside she does go talk to him she finds him out in the alley, he's still wearing sunglasses (laughs) and it seems very cloudy out. So they have a conversation. She starts by apologizing for the blog, later apologizes for her interference with his life, but then she starts to encourage him. Uh, Tommy actually looks like pretty down in the scene, which is interesting. It's not often that he like shows that like, actual sad side of him and not just the aloof hot guy that we always know. (laughs) He was, like, actually upset and it was, oh, that kind of surprised me, I guess, (laughs) to see him, like, actually hurting. And they have kind of a nice moment, him and Jude in this alley. But Jude does the thing again where she's like, I'm twice as good of a... A performer because I met you and he's like and I'm twice as good as a producer because I met you (laughs) which is kind of corny and he like starts to lean in like he's gonna kiss her but they don't kiss it's just kind of a actually nice moment so we leave that scene this episode gets like pretty fast paced fast paced from the point of her writing the blog to the end of the episode so we're like cutting scene 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 So right after that scene, um, the song of the episode starts playing in the background and we get a montage and you see Tommy in the studio with Karma and they're like going over notes, I guess. So probably they're like reworking the theme song or whatever. And you see the shattered glass wall behind them and Speed walks by and sees them and is like, make her sound good, dude. And that's their like friendly moment, the male way of apologizing (laughs) where you don't apologize, but you just are like, it's everything's good. And then the montage continues. You hear quite a bit of the song of the episode, but it also kind of feels just like tacked on to the end of the episode. So again, the montage is running scene, scene, scene. The last scene well, Jude is her and Megan and they're at like a cafe outside. I didn't write down in my notes what they're talking about but they have some sort of conversation where I think Jude indicates that her and Tommy are like fine. So that is wonderful. <laughs> and that's really all there is to the A-plot. This episode felt pretty fast-paced. I'm not really sure why. There wasn't a wide range of things that happened in the A plot. The B plot actually... I mean, there might be as much screen time for the B plot as the A plot in this episode, which I didn't mind. Speaking of which, that's a segue to the B plot. <laughs> and then the B plot. So if you remember last episode, Pagan was enticed by Darius in Quest with this world tour and this new album basically a return to his previous rock star life so pagan took the opportunity but the condition was that he had to leave npr take all his money with him so pagan's gone but blue's still around (laughs) she is the only artist of npr and now jamie and zeppelin have to find out how they're gonna make this work with one artist and no money. So Blue has taken to basically manipulating Jamie into like doing things for her because now she has more leverage. She's the only artist. She can request this and that, even if it's ridiculous. While this is going on and Jamie's out fetching things for Blue, Blue starts um, antagonizing Zeppelin. I think Blue can probably sense that she has a crush on Jamie. Blue and Jamie had their quick little history, which Zeppelin knows about and is possibly intimidated by, but more so, I don't know, just doesn't like the fact that they were together because I think she harbors um, some ill feelings towards Blue in general. So that sort of bickering between Blue and Zeppelin happens throughout the B-plot. Zeppelin learns while Jamie is out like on one of his little missions that Blue has been in contact with Darius. So Jamie goes to the liberty of setting up this, I guess, important interview with this notable writer or something. And Blue decides that she's going to use that to like get her name out there before switching back over to G Major. So Zeppelin overhears her calling Darius and talking with him and now she's in this precarious situation if she tells Jamie about it is he gonna believe her or will he believe Blue etc so it boils up to them them being Blue and Zeppelin getting into a fight after this interview takes place at one point Zeppelin takes off Blue's uh, party city wig and stomps on it <laughs> which is pretty funny But ultimately, Blue does meet with Darius. They have a scene of that in the episode. And Darius says, "Uh, actually, fuck you. You tried to cross me in the first place. So no, I don't want a record deal with you. Go kick rocks. And Blue is upset by this, but she still has NBR to fall back on at this point. So she does a turn goes back to NBR. She runs into Jamie and she's... (laughs) She's getting desperate at this point and she quickly says like, I don't know what Zeppelin told you, but it's fine. I was only talking to G Major. I wasn't going to go back there. It's whatever. And Jamie says, uh, Zeppelin didn't tell me anything, but this is interesting. What do you mean you're going back to G Major? And finally, Jamie says, we don't need you. We'll figure it out, whatever. And so... That is the end of Blue. I'm pretty sure this is Cassie's last episode, which made me sad. I wrote down in my notes, I love Cassie's energy in this role and wish she was here longer. Which I really do. I think maybe a character like Blue that's so... Hmm, what's a good way to put it? Is so aggressive, it's hard to like have a character like that for a while, I guess, if that makes sense. Like, Karma... I keep comparing them because there are similarities. Karma is a similar, um, like a similar animal to Blue. And I guess she kind of softened a bit when she got with speed. Blue, you'd probably have to have a similar sort of softening. But I think the Blue is a bit more, uh, I was going to say she's a bit more cutthroat than Karma, but I think she's just kind of more of an opportunist and is cutthroat in that way. Like, I don't think Karma would have gone to an indie label in the first place. (laughs) So I don't think she would have had the same experience. But Blue will kind of cater herself to whatever the situation calls for. But I think Karma's kind of consistently harsh. But Blue is more willing to seem innocuous, if that makes sense. So that's the end of Blue's story. Uh, The end of the B plot is... Zeppelin, Jamie thinks that Zeppelin like ran out because she was mad about like him taking Blue side. So Jamie finds Zeppelin on the street and she has a bag with her, but she's like, oh, I was just going to do laundry. <laughs> and so they have a cute little moment. They kiss on the street and it's all well and good. Maybe this is a relationship that'll pan out for Jamie. <laughs> With the plot synopses done, it is time for the song and episode ratings. So this episode's song is titled Higher Ground. It's the song that I mentioned felt like it was just tacked on to the end of the episode. (laughs) Uh, I didn't really care for it. It's a generic, non-specific song about overcoming obstacles, persevering, it's fine. It's (laughs) nothing special. Not totally memorable. Uh, I give it a 4 out of 10. It's, yeah, 4 out of 10. And then the episode rating. Like I said at the beginning, this was an overall, like, eh, episode with a few good moments. The scenes with Speed and Karma and the theme song were actually pretty funny. (laughs) But that's probably because... I've said this plenty of times, but it bears repeating All every time. Speed is the unsung hero of this cast. <laughs> this season wouldn't have been as good without him. I just, I cannot say it enough. This season and season three, honestly. <laughs> he is the glue that keeps all of this together. The glue that provides comedic relief. No one else could provide the relief that he does. he's truly the vip i will never stop saying it this is a tyler kite stand podcast (laughs) anyway that was a good song or that was some good moments again i love cassie's scenes she has the perfect energy to be like the mean girl who's also like really sweet when she wants to be and when the situation calls for it but is actually really mean and catty. Like, I love that. Again, I wish I could see more of her character. It's crazy to think that this season, which I'd probably still place as my least favorite season, had Cassie Steele and Tatiana Maslany. (laughs) (laughs) And it was the worst season of the series. (laughs) It's incredible, really. But anyway, the episode... For the reasons I just mentioned, it's a bit better than just like totally eh, so I'd give the episode a 6 out of 10. So song rating of 4 out of 10 and the episode rating of 6 out of 10. Episode 409 of Instant Star Possession gets an average of 5 out of 10. Alright everyone, that's it for me and that's it for this episode. Hopefully you all will join me next time where I dive into 410. See you then, bye! (laughs) Oh, <laughs>